Hi, guys. Today's guest is Anthony Malone. He is the owner of a yoga studio called Paper Plane Yoga in College Park, Georgia. If you ever fly into the Atlanta area and have a little bit of a break, he's literally four minutes from the airport, which is amazing. So you guys are going to just love this interview. I found out some really great stuff about yoga. We had some great laughs and realized we had um, some a lot of things in common in some unexpected ways. So I hope you guys enjoy the show with Anthony Malone. Welcome to the same 24 hours podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those 24 hours that makes all of the difference in our health, our happiness, and our success. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I am glad you're here with us. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today, I have a yogi with us. This is Anthony Malone. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Meredith. How are you? I'm doing really great. <laughs> I'm so excited about us chatting. So I put a call, like I am, that's when you answered it on Facebook. I said, I want to talk to an experienced yogi and an instructor. And I had like 200 people contact me. And wow. I had a really simple criteria for what I was looking for. <laughs> I okay. just wanted someone to say namaste to me. <laughs> and and uh, you and one other person out of all the yogis sent me an email that said namaste. And I was like, that's it. Wow. <laughs> and now everyone out there is like, really? She's funny. <laughs> no, but I thought it was just interesting when I got your email. I was like, oh, I know that word because I love yoga. I just, I don't do it enough and I, I'm fascinated by it. And so I just wanted to have an opportunity to chat with you and, and uh, see how you got started and, and what great things you're doing in Atlanta. So the first question is, who are you and where did you come from? <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Anthony Malone. I mean, I, I uh, lived in the New York, New Jersey area for some time, uh, moved to Atlanta um, and didn't really move to Atlanta for yoga. I actually moved to Atlanta for a job uh, opportunity. I was working as an executive in human resources for, for some years. And an opportunity came in Atlanta, and I moved my family here and became, you know, be, uh, continued my career in human resources um, until um, I, my last position as an executive in human resources. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the company was... Uh, made some changes with their management. I was let go, offered a severance, and just started asking myself, what did I want to do when I grow up? You so know, how old were you when that happened? I was, um, I was in my mid-40s, mid to late 40s. Okay. And um, so, yeah, that's how I was, yeah. So you were, quote-unquote, established and kind of into your career and thought – you knew what you wanted to do with your life. <laughs> and well, then, you know, yeah, exactly. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so then you're 45 and you've got how, you know, you had time with your severance, right? And so you, you had to ask yourself, what do I really want? And that's such a scary question. It was, it was a scary question. Uh, fortunate for me, I had a two year severance. Oh, and so I nice. really had time to <laughs> kind of like 
but I wanted to go back to work. That's how crazy life is. You know, you want to go back. I mean, I've been working for more, a little more than 30 years, you know? Right. And so I wanted to go back to work and just started to notice things that I did not notice when, um, I was working. Um, something as simple as, wow, that front door needs to be washed off. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something simple as that, you know, but you go around. And so I started because at that time I was also doing marathons. I was into triathlons. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing because, you know, at the time when I was working, I wanted to take my family on these vacations, never got an opportunity to do that. But once I was, um, uh, let go off this company and I had, you know, uh, had the time, I went and did the Paris Marathon, went over and did the marathon in Madrid, started doing triathlon. So now I had, you know, traveled with my family doing these races and all that other stuff. So that was a real turning point in my life, uh, especially when, you know, you're doing these runs with your young uh, children. You know, my, my sons were in their 20s. And, you know, here I am marathoning with these guys in, uh, in Europe. And it was just an, an amazing experience. So were you in any sort of fitness before this letting go happened? Were you a, a fit person? Did you exercise often or, or did this come after the, the time when the big change happened? That's a good question. I mean, I went through a metamorphosis probably in the last three years of my employment with this company. I went through a metamorphosis. So I went from um, probably being close to 290 no, to down really? to, yeah, yeah. Until I didn't down know that to, part about you. Yeah, absolutely. Until I went down to my race weight was like 165. Holy so, moly. um, yeah. So during the, probably during the last, you know, three years of my career at the company, I, uh, I went through this whole fitness thing and mainly was a lot of running. A lot of marathoning. I, I wanted to do a marathon in every state, and then I just kind of, kind of said, "Why do you want to do that?" <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, not really. So I said, "Well, I'm going to do a marathon once a year out of the country," and so I started doing that. Um, and so, so what happened to make you change? I, I'm always fascinated. I, it seems like I always get someone on the podcast, and I don't know that they had this huge journey like you did. I mean, that's a massive journey from 290 pounds unfit to where you are now. So what clicked in you to make you want to change? Well, it was a combination of things, but I will break it down to it's finite. It was, I was an executive, traveled a lot, um, drank a lot, ate great food, what I thought was great food. So in doing all of this, I let my health go and you know, really just work, 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 stress, 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 eat, 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 drink, drink, drink. And, uh, you know, my wife had, you know, had shared with me, Hey, listen, you know, you need to slow down, you know, you stop doing this, you know, maybe you're drinking a little too much. And, you know, I would often say to her, you know what, I, you met me when I was drinking, I'm, I'm never going to stop drinking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it really, you know, I smoked cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes at 30 years old. I mean, that's when how you knew better. <laughs> what I knew better, I wouldn't even date anyone that smoked. Right. So, you know, I start pick, I picked up these, these bad habits and it, it just only, it, you know, got worse, especially cause I was dealing with a lot of, you know, labor relations. So during the union negotiations, all of this stuff, you know, you'd sit around powwow with cigarettes. Anyway, yeah. long story short, it just kept going and going and going. And so I got a phone call from my brother, unbeknownst to me, my, my, my wife actually, Talked to my brother and said, listen, this has to stop. You know, I'm, I'm really getting tired of it. And uh, she was and probably. How long the, were y'all married at this point? 
we were together. My wife and I had been together for some 20 years. Okay. And, um, you know, she knew me when I started smoking cigarettes. She knew me when I was occasionally drinking, you know, but, you know, it just got to the point where she definitely saw she, you know, she deserved a better life. You know, even though I was making the money and all of this great stuff, it comes down to your quality of life. Right. You know, and so um, one evening my brother called me and my brother said, you know, knowing me for the length of time he know me, mm-hmm. grew up together, just said, listen, you could do anything you wanted to do. You know, anything you want to do. You have the personality, you have the charisma, um, you know, you, you can do anything. You can be the mayor if you wanted to, but you know, you really need to let this stuff go, you know? And I think I was drinking a glass of wine when I was talking to him <laughs> and I literally got like, you know how you get like the hair on the back of your neck, you know, rise. Yeah. And, uh, I literally stopped drinking. I stopped drinking that evening. Wow. Um, shortly thereafter I stopped smoking cold Turkey uh, even though I had tried to stop smoking, like something my brother said really resonated with me. And, you know, for all of the things that he said that I could do, and I, I, I knew it, but sometimes, you know, you have to hear it from someone else. My wife had been talking to me for, for years and I, I just had to hear it, I guess, from someone else at a different time in my life. And That's so true. That's so true. I call it the strange permission. It's when someone gives you this strange permission that kind of comes out of left field to be better to, you know, in whatever area it is, they say, you know, you could be X or you could do X and you're like, what? And and it's this permission to, to improve yourself and to stop destroying yourself. But I think it's so interesting that, yeah, I don't know if you know, I'm a sober Sally. I've, I'm going on two years without a drink and, awesome. um, no one could tell me to stop drinking. So I think it's interesting hearing your perspective that, you know, when you heard it from your brother, that it meant something to you. Yeah, it, it did. And, and I was, you know, I had been so fortunate because every time I went to the doctor, the doctor would give me pretty much a, you know, hey, listen, if you only nipped and tucked here, you wouldn't have to worry about hypertension. You're borderline here. If you only nipped and tucked here, you, you know, you could live a better life. And I would, you know, kind of brush it off. But as soon as I started to do those, those things that were good for me, started the running, stopped the drinking, stopped the smoking, all of a sudden I would go to the doctor's office and they were like, you know, with literally telling me your, your health has changed a hundred percent. What did you do? Wow. And, uh, I, you know, I told them I started running, told them I, you know, I left the, uh, alcohol and cigarettes and, um, and I'm sure you can appreciate this story. The heartbeat, they were, they were concerned about the heartbeat, the heartbeat. Okay. So they got me on a, the treadmill, they did a stress test. And I'll tell you this real quick story. So they got me tread, uh, on this treadmill on a stress test and you know, I'm a run, I love run. So I'm running, running on this, this bloody treadmill. And the nurses just kept coming in the room and all of a sudden they just like kind of left me in the room. And I'm like, wait a minute, this thing should have been over by now. Right. And I'm, I said, no problem. I'm still running. I'm running around. So they came back and they were like, we just wanted to see how long you can run because there was only one other person that did this and he was a cyclist. (laughs) And so, um, they, they, you know, they basically summed up my, um, my heartbeat with the fact that I was a runner and, um, the, the heart had enlarged, you know, and, um, 
So I felt I thought that was quite funny. My wife is a nurse by trade, so she had already given me the scoop that that might might be an issue or not an issue that might have come up in the stress test. Yeah. And I so that's so funny. I mean, every time I go to the doctor, I the prideful moment for me is I'm still a, a decent sized girl. And when they take my pulse. You know, because I have a great, I have an endurance athlete resting heart rate. And so yeah. they all stare at me like, oh, you know, they, they don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, I'm actually a runner. That's <laughs> like, exactly oh, okay. that's funny. <laughs> and then it got to the point where the doctor did not, you know, first of all, I wasn't on drugs when I, even when I was going through was it, uh, the, the smoking and the drinking. But there was a, always a possibility that I had to go there because of my my blood pressure was on the on the borderline and this and that. So it got it, it really became funny because now when I left the doctor's office, the only thing they did was they kept asking, "Hey, would you want a flu shot or or maybe Viagra?" And I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute! I don't need anything like that." And so I can literally leave the doctor's office without any drugs, and that that really felt good, you know. That's incredible. And so, how did you get into yoga? Did did that come? Was it part of your endurance training or did, was there a special person that said namaste to you? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You know, um, it, it's funny when people ask that question, I tell them, well, we practice yoga throughout our lives. We just don't do it intentionally. I mean, you stand, you bend, you breathe, you stretch, but you're just not doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when I was uh, a younger man, I uh, practice martial arts. So a lot of the meditation and some of the poses are quite similar. Unlike when you go to be a yoga teacher, you really learn more. You know that there's eight limbs of yoga and it's not just the asanas. It's not just the move, the physical movement. So luckily for me, I was during this time that I was unemployed and I was getting my severance. I started a magazine company. I started an endurance magazine called the Atlanta Multisport Magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I came across, I wanted to do an article on yoga. And I was looking for a yoga studio, and I came across a yoga studio called um, Infinity Yoga. And so I contacted them, and I met the uh, Matt, uh, Matt, who is co-owner with his wife, Becky Nickerson, uh, who's my yoga teacher and mentor. But uh, long story short, I met Matt, and he and interviewed him and told him what I wanted to do and that I wanted this uh, article. And he was very kind and invited me in to meet his beautiful wife. Uh, and during that time, when I did the article and we did a small movie, during that time, um, his wife, Becky, was starting a, a new yoga um, uh, teacher, uh, teacher training. She had already concluded the first one. And so she was working on the second one. And so she said, hey, Tony, you know, would you want to join? And, you know, I had the time. And uh, I joined and it was a life changing experience. At the same token, I was uh, I had already I had also taken on the responsibility of moving my mother and my father here to Georgia. Um, uh, They were aging in place. My mother suffered from uh, dementia and my father uh, started to have some bouts with dementia. So my my wife and I, you know, my father lived with me for a while. My mother was in an assisted living home. So yoga really helped me through this whole process with my parents as well, as well as the job, you know, being unemployed and some of the other things that were going on in my life. So what and, was your yoga practice like at this time? Like what did uh, you do weekly? What I did weekly was go to yoga class um, on the weekend. Uh, it absorbed 
all of my weekend for the for six months. I mean, I dedicated, you know, to the to the study of yoga on the weekend, learned a lot. And, you know, for me, it was different in that I was the one of the first of all, I was the only male in my yoga class. <laughs> uh, and I had maybe about 12 or 13 uh, women in the class. I was probably one of the oldest yoga students in my class. And I was a black male. And um, so you're saying st- you stood out a little. I stood out, <laughs> stood out like a sore thumb. But you know and, what's so cool yeah. about um, like being older and in that sort of environment? When I went to law school, there were these old, you know, older students. They were maybe 40s, late 30s. Right. And, you know, I was in my young 20s and freaking out and stressed out about everything. And these, and there was a bunch of men. And I remember seeing them and they looked like they were having the time of their life. And I don't know if it was because they, you know, had their coffee and it was better than the day job they used to have. But I always think it's so funny when you see the older students in any environment, they're just know why they're there and they're so grateful and happy to be there. (laughs) Exactly. And and, you know, the good thing about this, it taught me a lot and I'm sure it, it, the people that were in my class also learned a lot about me because it was a lot, it was, there was people who might not have ever practiced yoga around a uh, older black gentleman. And there were people who may never even been exposed to, to uh, someone like myself. So uh, and vice versa. I mean, I've, you know, for me, I worked around so many different people. I was in human resources for years. Right. I worked in, in, in so many different work environments. So for me, it wasn't a challenge. The challenge for me was really in that environment, how people were responding to me. Cause keep in mind with yoga training, you know, you're, you're actually, you know, you may be touching a person right. you're your spot, you know, you're, you're interacting with these individuals, not only in a, in a, you know, from a dialogue standpoint, but also from a, um, from a physical standpoint. I didn't even think about that. Like, well, I wouldn't even think that would be an issue in this day and age. And it, it is. (laughs) Oh, it's a major issue, a major. And and you know what? It was, it was interesting because there are so, so many relationships that bubbled up from this experience. I mean, a lot of the people that I went to school, you know, went to yoga school with, they were well-to-do uh, Jewish women, you know, they were uh-huh. well to do. And so when I go there and they would pull up in their, you know, Porsches and this and that and come into, to, and, and, but the relationship that we built was just, was really, really cool. You know, it was really, uh-huh. really nice, uh, relationship. And I learned a lot about them and they learned a lot about me. And, um, you know, there was, there were some relationships that were forged that I, I still have friends and, uh, it was it was really an, an amazing experience. Well, that happens when you're kind of on top of each other, sweaty, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went to a yoga class, and I, the thing I like so much about yoga is that it's very well. And you can probably dispute this because I don't know enough, but I mean, I consider it to be a very personal type situation. And I went to one class, and they partnered us up, and it was a hot yoga class. And this okay. poor woman that got partnered with me, I am like a sweaty camel. I mean. <laughs> It's like someone punctured one of my humps and I am just dumping on this poor woman and she had to touch me. And I thought, this is just terrible. I mean, Uh, do you make, do you make people partner? (laughs) 
I, you know what, in some practices, yes. I mean, sometimes I do couples yoga. Uh, we haven't gotten to the point where we, we are spying people up around each other. They we know do, it's coming, right? They know More it's coming, especially okay. when you do acra yoga, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I could just imagine. <laughs> I could only imagine. Oh my gosh. And, uh, there's, there's some interesting experiences that you can have, especially even when it, I remember being in yoga class one time and we had this session with a, another instructor that came from Australia and he had this, he had this, um, uh, this, this, uh, thing that he would do where you would actually sit in front of another yogi and look in their eyes and you couldn't, you had to stare in their eyes and this was a part of meditation and you basically had to continue to look in their eyes and it was so, so, so uncomfortable at first, you know, you're looking in a stranger's eyes and you just are not moving in this lotus position and you're actually meditating and gazing into this, this person's eyes. And so uh, throughout the class, there were so many emotions bubbling up. People saying, oh, you reminded me of this or this and that. Um, but in, in some instances, you know, depending upon the instructor and how creative they are and what they're trying to get out of the class, you know, there may be times where you're partnering with people and sometimes it feels comfortable and sometimes it feels uncomfortable. It's, it's a process. But most of the time, you're really trying to get into your own practice and everyone's practice is different. And one of the things that I try to do is make sure that the students know that that when they come in, that there's no judgment, there's no competition. You don't get a parting gift for doing best try. <laughs> what about a gold star? Do I get no a gold, gold star? star no, no gold star, anything like that. You don't get any um, any candy at the end. So it's it's just you know finding your own practice and and why you're there and what you're trying to achieve and, and the goals that you're trying to reach with your practice. I think what was so disarming about that event, and then I experienced something this weekend at a conference, and it was not a yoga conference, but one of the speakers had us all stand up and put our hands on the shoulders of another person and stare into their eyes for a really uncomfortable period of time. And it's amazing the stuff that does go through your head when you're staring at someone like that. But I think what was so disarming to me about pairing up, and maybe this is how everyone feels is that we all have our own insecurities that we're trying to like not reveal Absolutely. We're there. And yeah. then when you have to touch someone or for me, it's always about being heavy and a practice that appears to have people that are made of feathers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I always feel when I'm doing yoga that I'm like the lumbering elephant in the room. You know, when I go from uh, plank and I'm like, boom, boom. I feel like everyone else is so light and flowy and I'm bull in the China shop. <laughs> no. See, the, the amazing thing though about yoga is that there are so many different faces in yoga. It's not just what you see in the yoga magazines where you see this person who is like pencil thin and they have the hundred dollar tights on and so on and so forth. Uh, when you look back at the origins of yoga, you know, and see what the person, how the people are dressed and and the different types of, you know, nationalities and people who are, who are doing yoga, you know, it sets, you know, that, that whole misnomer about what you need to look like to be a yogi goes right out of the window. And then you look at some of the new stars that are coming up in the yoga industry, some of the people that are getting a lot of notoriety, a lot of attention. Uh, they're, they're more full-figured yogis. Some of them are even, um, you have some yogis. In fact, there's one teacher I just uh, saw not too long ago. He's, 
he literally is wheelchair bound and he's a yoga instructor. So oh, wow. when you really look at the, the, and I don't want to say the changing face of yoga. I just, I want to say more or less that these are yogis out there that are dedicated to the pro to the practice. And they know it's not just about the asanas. Uh, and it's about the, you know, the total eight limbs of yoga. And, and so when you, when you start to look at, and I think that also breaks down a lot of barriers because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm really, my business is really geared for the, for, for the beginner, someone who says yoga is not, not for me because I'm too heavy or because I have a disability or because of whatever that because is, my business is really geared to that person because I want them to, to know that yoga is for everyone. It's not just yeah. for that, you know, that one person that you see on the yoga magazine. And you so know? how do you convince people of that? Well, I mean, first, you know, we're very visual, you know, people are very visual. And so when you show them other photos of people who are maybe, um, full figured and, and show them that they're in yoga poses and it's, then you get this, Oh wow. You get this aha, you know? And then when you, a lot, a lot of Kate, in some instances I've done yoga on the free, you know, uh, did pro bono, went in and did yoga on lawns or whatever, you know, in public places where people got down and actually did and say, hey, that wasn't that bad. I thought it was going to be this and that. Mm-hmm. And so trying to bring yoga to people, you know, here again, that's one of the reasons why I moved into the area that I'm in is because it was a, it's a yoga desert. It didn't have any yoga there. And so uh, for the longest, uh, a real quick story was funny. I would, um, when I first opened the business and I started going, you know, after practice, I would go to these little coffee shops that's around the area. And, uh, the way I'm dressed, people would say, Oh, you're that yoga guy. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm the yoga guy. And so they say, you know, I would go to your class, but I don't know what Hatha yoga is, or I don't know what vinyasa flow is. And so it, it really taught me to like, when I put together my website to go back in and change the, the, um, titles of, of the, the yoga practices to beginners yoga, because yeah. And that attracted more people and say, hey, I'm a beginner. And they would come. And then I started to grow my my audience. And um, and it was interesting because those subtle things, those things that you think don't mean a lot, there are people that really don't know. They have a lot of different misnomers about yoga. Some people think, well, because it has religious ramifications. Right. I'm a Catholic. I can't do it. My brother was like that. My brother was like, oh, you know, before you started doing it, I wasn't too – He's a minister and he was kind of eh, kind of standoffish and until he came to one of my classes and said, wow, I see you exercising a demon. So everything must be. <laughs> so, <laughs> and same thing with meditation. I mean, obviously, they're, they're closely linked and um, I'm the joke kind of running now, I guess we're on probably episode 40 of the podcast by now. And the running joke is that almost probably 36 out of 40 people say that they're daily practice that they do to make themselves better is meditation. And I am not a meditator. And so anyone that knows me always cracks up when they listen to the podcast and they're like, you know, you're going to have to meditate at some point. <laughs> no, but you know, the, you know, the thing is that I think that's a misnomer. I mean, as a, as a triathlete, you do meditate. It's the, I mean, you're, that's you're, what I'm learning. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's so a moving meditation, it's different. Exactly. But, you know, but it's, it's, you know, when I run and then I do two hours and I don't remember being there. <laughs> Absolutely. You've yeah. just meditated. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and you're in the water and you're, you know, you're swimming and you're, you're focusing on your strokes and you're breathing, you're meditating, you know, you're focusing on, on that, that thing, that one thing. So, yeah. So for someone who was interested in starting out in yoga, where would, and let's talk, well, let's first talk about your studio and where you are in case someone's listening and they're nearby. Sure. So you're in College Park, Georgia. I'm in College Park, Georgia. I'm right uh, so close to the airport. Um, I'm on off of Main Street in College Park, right across from the Martyr train station in College Park. I'm on a street called Harvard uh, Avenue. Um, right across the tr- railroad tracks from me is the Indigo Hotel. Um, and there's some great little places around there to eat, like Radial Cafe, um, so yeah, I'm very close to the airport. Even if you have a couple of, uh, maybe an hour or so to, to, to kill, if you're on a standby flight, um, I'm literally four minutes from the airport and that's probably awesome. three minutes from the Georgia international convention center. Okay. That's um, good intel. Good. Um, yeah. and you said, but you said when you opened up your yoga studio that it was a yoga desert. <laughs> yeah. Area. No yoga. There was no yoga there. Um, and, you know, the only the only studio that was close would, you know, you would have to go to the West End, I guess, uh, for yoga or, you know, go back south and go somewhere which may offer yoga in some of the neighboring towns like Fayetteville or something like that. Um, but there was no yoga studio there. Now, since I've uh, opened up. We have Sacred Heart Yoga. That's in Hapeville. Uh, they opened up a studio there. Uh, we're not in direct competition with each other. Hapeville is Hapeville. It's a beautiful town. Um, and I'm in College Park. So there's there's enough clients to go around for everyone because this is, I mean, they're as serious as uh, to improve people's health and wellness as I am. And uh, I, I certainly give them a lot of love. That's certainly a very yoga view on competition. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're all yoga people. It's enough That's to go. Right. Man. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the practice of yoga. When you say that, and we don't have to get into the eight arms of yoga, but tell me a little bit about like a high level yoga for beginners type view of, of what you mean by that. Sure. A lot, you know, when a person goes out and I always ask them, why you, why do you choose yoga? You know, when someone who's a beginner that comes in, so why do you choose yoga? Maybe the first thing that comes out of their mouth is I I just want to learn how to better ground myself, better meditate. And that is a good, that is a good response, Mm -hmm. you know? being able to center, being able to focus. Cause a lot of times we have monkey brains. I mean, we go somewhere, we don't remember where our keys are. You know, we go somewhere like, why did I come into this room? I know I came in here for something. So for someone in this day and age who would like to be centered, to like to be able to focus, that's a good response. And, and then the, the next thing is, okay, so they know it's a physical practice and they're like, I need, I need to be more flexible which is also good, especially we're all aging in place. So you want to bring some flexibility into your life. And then you have all different kinds of, well, does yoga, I get the question, does yoga help you lose weight? Does yoga do this? Does yoga help baldness? Whatever. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, it does. It depends. <laughs> like, you know, does yoga help you lose weight? Well, it's, I look at your body as a, like a Ferrari. If you're a Ferrari and, you know, you 
take good care of your Ferrari, all is well. But if you take your Ferrari and you put poor gas in it, then no. Yeah. And so with anything else, and I'm sure you can appreciate this. I know I did as, as a runner, as a marathoner, as a triathlete, I, I can lose all of the weight in the world. But when I continued to drink and if I continue to eat bad food, I felt like crap. And yeah. my recovery time was, was really, really bad. But when I started to change my diet, when I became a vegan, so what I tell people is, look, when it comes to yoga and, and you know, on a high level, you know, what should you look for? Really, you know, yeah, look for a teacher who is going to teach a beginner's class. Sometimes we forget and we try like new things and we're like, okay, this is my first time doing yoga and I'm going to go out to do goat yoga. Wait, what is goat yoga? Goat yoga is yoga with like goats climbing all over you. Wait, are you serious? I'm serious. You could Google it. They they have places <laughs> where you can literally go and they have goats and it's goat yoga. And I don't even know what to say except I want to do goat yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's it's the it's the funniest thing because these little goats are like jumping all over that you. They're like goats. Yeah. And so would I recommend that for your first yoga experience? Yes, absolutely. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No. And, and so and, and for all of my colleagues out there that, you know, that, that do the hot yoga, this is no slam against you. But, you know, some people also, they go into picking a lot of uh, yoga that might not be apropos for them. Like, this is your first yoga experience and you go and do hot yoga. It is brutal. I mean, I, that was one of my first classes, but I was also doing triathlon and out in the heat. But I can't imagine just going like straight from the couch to hot yoga. That would kill you. Well, it's, it's the same thing as you You are an athlete. It's the same thing when you like you first get into triathlon. You don't do a full Ironman, maybe. Maybe right. you do a sprint. So it's use that same, um, uh, same analogy. Um, when you, when you look at yoga, you know, go to a beginner's yoga class, go somewhere. It's going to be comfortable. So if it's Uh, not labeled beginner's yoga on the website, like yours is, what are some of the types of beginner yoga terms? Well, I mean, you can look at a vinyasa flow. That's a slow vinyasa flow. And so that means they're not speeding the, the movements up really quick. They're doing it slow. So you have, they slow and methodically. And, and you can go and, and, and pretty much, uh, you know, you can pretty much be at that pace. Uh, there are Hatha yoga classes where you can go and there's a certain pace that the, the instructor is using or the guide's using that you can keep up with the pace and, and learn the name of the poses and how they feel, how they truly feel for you. And, um, so there, there are so many alternatives out there, but to go and say, okay, my first yoga class was beer yoga mm-hmm. and they have it. They have beer yoga where you actually drink and you do a pose and you balance the bottle or whatever on your head or whatever. So there's, I mean, people come out with newfangled stuff, you know what I mean? To, they market it and they market it to the public. And some people are like, Hey, I want to try that. And so if you really, truly want to get a, a good first experience, make it a good first experience for yourself. Um, I really want to get back to goat yoga, but we might need a whole show for that. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, are they heavy goats? Or are they They're big? small little goats. They're small goats. Yeah, little, little small goats. <laughs> what kind it's, of legal waiver do you have to sign for goat yoga? There's just so many questions. Right? Wouldn't that, yeah, it's probably something. It's, <laughs> but yeah, you, 
do yourself a favor. Go Google it, look at it, and you'll have a ball looking at it. And there are people who are really, really committed to it. So, hey, listen, peace to them. More peace, more power. I wish them the best. Oh, my gosh. I love it. (laughs) Do you know one of the funny things about yoga to me is, like, I'll get on a kick where I do it all the time, and I I love it. And I I don't mean to call it a kick. I just – I don't have, like, a solid – habit yet. And I really want to, after I get these races out of the way, kind of spend some time in the off season. But I always think I could do this. I could be a yoga teacher, except I'll never learn these names. <laughs> I mean, and you can do all of that. I mean, there are, there are certain teachers that really, really use Sanskrit throughout their whole practice. And there are those that they use very little to none. And I'm quite, I'm like that. I'm like, uh, for me, it's, I want the, I want the, the person who comes to the student to be very careful. Uh, comfortable. I don't want them to think, oh man, I, unless I feel like a bloody idiot because he's saying these things and I don't understand them. So you, you, for me, I, it's very important for me to set the, uh, studio where the client is really, really comfortable. And so much so that they feel like they're really practicing yoga with a bunch of friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to tell you, probably some self, Oh, I was a self-deprecating yoga joke. It was the time when I was really working hard on what pose is it? Shoot. Not which ones there's crane and crow. And I forget which one it is, but it's when you have your hands down and your knees against your forearms. Is that crow? That's it's crow. And then crane is lifting yourself up higher. So yeah, with your feet up. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I was doing the very minimum. So maybe crow. Right. And I had been working on it and working on it and, um, I hadn't had a chance to do it in class. And so I went, and this was a couple years ago. And so I went to yoga class and the guy was like, okay, we're going to do crow. And I was like, Oh, teacher's pet. Here I go. I can, <laughs> you know. And I got really excited and I was heavy then. I mean, I'm heavy now, but I was probably 215 pounds. And I did crow and I fell out of crow. And that's what I was talking about, bowl in a china shop. Cause I hit, oh, that, <laughs> I hit no. that floor so loud. But in that moment, I remember thinking, this is awesome. Like it yeah. was embarrassing, okay. but the fact that I had had the courage to even to try it, it felt really good. That's beautiful. And that's, that's what it's about. It was your practice and you came away with that experience and you felt good about it. And that's what it's all about. It's not about that whole competition because you never really know. It's fun. It's funny. And I tell people that, you know, you're trying, and I was like that when I first started, I'm trying to, you know, I mean, remember I'm in class with these, you know, young women and, and, and they're doing all of these funky moves and stuff like that, even before they, they got their teacher certification. And then all of a sudden someone said, you know what? I was a cheerleader since I was three. (laughs) So here I am competing with a cheerleader who's been doing splits since they were three. So, you know, you have to really look at your own practice. And and as you continue with practicing, you you grow and and you, you know, now I can do a split. And I'm like, I'm a 56-year-old man. (laughs) uh, But it's because of practice. Well, I drug my um, tri-club manager to yoga with me, and he, uh, I didn't know what he was going to think about it, but I thought, well, at least you'll be in a room full of really attractive women for an hour, and, um, you know, myself excluded, (laughs) but but it was so funny because it was so challenging and, and difficult for both of us, and for him being one of his first classes, he was like, I noticed no one. And that's that's so so true, right? We yeah. we think everyone's looking at us. We think everyone cares what we're doing, and really, no one's looking at anyone because it's too 
it's too inward turning to to look outward. Right. And and here again, that is very true. I mean, here, but you still have those that will peek over at that other person who's a bubbling up, aspiring cheerleader. And they were like, oh, man, I used to be that size or I used to be that or this and that. And, and really, you know, reminding yourself to take yourself back and this is your practice. And if you continue to practice, there are so many things that you're going to do. But it, beyond the asanas, beyond the, the physical practice, what is it doing to you mentally and what is it doing to, to you internally in your spirit? And, and when you say uh, asana, what, let, let the listeners know what that is. Asana actually just means sit. And oh. it's the physical part of the practice. So when they say, hey, we're doing these asanas, it's really the, the physical, the movements. Okay. And so that's the asana um, of the practice, yeah. I yeah. like shavasana. Yeah, shavasana. <laughs> and you know what? Shavasana <laughs> is one, right? <laughs> exactly. You're laying down in, in your corpse position, flat on your back, and, and you're meditating. And, and that's typically at the end of the practice so you can calm and cool the body down. And it's awesome. It, what I always tell people, that is the most difficult position to be in. Yeah. Because now, your you, mind just wanders. Yeah. Well, and you know what I find difficult about Shavasana is at the end, my arms do not want to be by my side. Like my Shavasana wants to be, my arms want to be over my head. Is that weird? Is that part of my practice? Am I doing something wrong? Like, does there not need to be like a discomfort in that? No, there's nothing wrong with anything that you're doing because it's your practice. Okay. And there's so many of my clients that have their arms all over the place beside, you know, laying beside them behind, you know, over their head, out in a T. So it, yeah. you want to be comfortable. I mean, the, the, okay. the objective is really, you know, cooling the body down, being comfortable, you know, centering yourself back down and, and just being present. So for someone who's completely intrigued with yoga, but they're not quite to the point where they're willing to put on their stretchy pants and downward dog in front of other people, right. what are three poses that they could Google that you would consider kind of a foundation for a beginner's yoga practice? I would say right off the bat, go and look up your sun salutations, A, B, C, and start with A, you know, sun salutation A. And that gives you the basic, first of all, it's a warming up of a variety of positions from standing up to bending and lengthening the spine, coming back into a plank and then up into a uh, uh, upward, uh, uh, a downward facing dog, and then you continue to repeat this over and over again, just these sequences over and over again. And so that's a foundation. That's an opportunity for you to warm the body up. It's an opportunity for you to come into a lot of the poses that we use in yoga. And then from there, you can move on to the next sun salutation, which is sun salutation B, and it adds. It's just adding on maybe two or three more different poses to that original sun salutation A. And so you can't go wrong there. You Do know. you know anyone that wakes up and does those immediately? Uh, yeah, a lot, a number of yoga yogis do that. I mean, I do that. I mean, it's a good it's a good way to warm your spine up before you go out the house and it, you could just do four sun salutations yeah. 
You I feel know? like I can commit to that. It's like yeah. I'm I'm kind of dabbling in this whole meditation thing, and I feel like I can't commit to meditate, but I might commit to two and a half sun salutations. Yeah, do hey, listen, it's a start, and you it's going to come so naturally with you. You just like in swimming, just like in cycling or running, you get that um, muscle memory, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I've just did this, and it it didn't take me no time. Yeah. And it's also good for you, especially you, you're an athlete. So it's, it's an awesome way to warm the spine up and, and bring, um, flexibility into the, into the body to start your day. And you can do it in your underpants. You can do it anything. <laughs> you can do it anywhere. You can do it in your birthday suit, whatever you want to do it in, you can do it. Instead of yoga with goats, I'm going to do yoga in underpants. <laughs> How about that? It's awesome. Hey, Watch for that something. coming 2018. <laughs> as, time go, as time goes on, you have so many people who are, like anything else, they're creative, um, and, and they come up with all different types of things that uh, keep it interesting for people who are looking to, I guess, become interesting. <laughs> yes. I mean, any, whatever it takes, man. So let's talk a little bit about your, your vegan diet. I, um, I eat mostly a vegan diet. Um, oh. I say mostly because I will have a piece of fish every blue moon, but I have found that meat, dairy, and most everything on the planet food wise doesn't agree with me yeah. <laughs> anymore. Um, so how did you come to that after being a junk food junkie and a yeah. I, I think when you really look at a lifestyle of a, of a yogi and just where I was going with my diet as well, you want to become, and I've become more compassionate. I, I stepped away from processed food anyway, because I realized processed food was putting the weight on me in the first place. Uh, we don't typically understand what we eat. We're so removed from our food. Um, I remember going into a Kroger's one day and picking up a, uh, some beets and, uh, walking to the cash register, getting ready to pay it. And, you know, the little spin a dial, you know, kind of like they used to identify what the vegetables were. And so yeah. it was a young lady on the cash register, about 20 years old. And so she looked all perplexed and like, she didn't know what it was because she didn't know what it was. Right. And she asked the older woman who probably was in her forties. And she asked her, and the woman looked at her and said, I don't know what that is. And she looked at me and said, Mr., what is this? And I said, it's beets. And she says, that's not beets. Beets come from a can. Oh, no. Honest to God. <laughs> so I looked, and I'm like, wow. True story. Yeah, and no, so I believe you because I've gotten that, that for ginger. Yeah. Before. I mean, yeah. so point is that we're so removed from our food. And when you look at it, everything is packaged for us. And, and shame on us. This is what we ask for. And uh, everything is fast. And so for my journey, everything that I ate that was processed put a lot of weight on myself. And it also, uh, I, I personally believe, contributed to brain fog. Yeah. And um, that being said, and a lot of it is also inflammatory. I mean, it, it inflames your body. And so as an athlete, you want to lessen the inflammation in your body. Um, because it's already inflamed because you ran or you swam or whatever you did cycled. Um, so I, I read a lot. Uh, my wife, uh, does a very good job as a nurse and a nutritionist. So I've learned a lot along the way. And, and that too helped me with the magazine because one of the things that we did is to, you know, continue to bring nutritionists in to do articles. So my journey is really about trying to eat better um, because it's good, and also being cognizant of animals. 
Um, so it's not, I don't I don't wear leather products. Um, so I don't, you're the real deal. Yeah, I don't I don't even eat things that resemble. Try to eat things that. So some people they're like I'm vegan, but they like the you know I have to look I have to eat something that looks like scrambled eggs or whatever. And it's no criticism. I'm just simply saying I've kind of removed myself from that as well because. Why do you want to eat something that looks like what you used to eat that used to be meat? <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make any no, that's sense. True. That's totally yeah. true. And you know, I'm not that committed, but I would say I'm 99% plant-based. Um, and it's literally just that poor one salmon that I eat every blue moon because and it's almost like my body needs it. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I, I feel tremendous. I used to have all, my left knee used to always hurt me. Okay. And then it just doesn't anymore. You know, it's, it's stuff like that that you know your your body is happy Absolutely. <laughs> with what you're doing. And, yeah. and it, there may not be a direct explanation for it and people look at you weird, but I know that I'm doing something good for myself. And, and that's, you know, everyone's sticking their nose in everyone's business these days. Well, I mean, I don't think anything has changed. I think it's it's always been that way. It's just heightened because we have the because of social media. Um, but it's always been that way. I mean, I, I still, I, I, you know, going to, to different families for dinner or whatever, I think most of them are used to my, my lifestyle now in, in terms of what I, I don't eat and what I do eat. In fact, I keep telling people I eat more food than you really do. There's more, I have more choices than you. Cause when I ask the person, well, what do you eat? Usually it's beef, pork, and chicken or fish and just some type of beef, potato and maybe one type of green. And they don't really venture out on those other items. They don't eat any grains. They only eat very limited uh, leafy greens. And uh, they don't eat any other, any type of, of anything else. Um, and uh, no fruits, very little fruits. They stay with the same fruits. And so, I mean, I have my palate is immense in, in terms of the variety of different foods that, you know, I eat. And um, like those crazy beets. You're a yeah, wild man. It's crazy beats, you know? <laughs> and so exactly, you know. So uh it's it's one of those things where it's 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 a, a constant um reminder of how we really need to take care of our planet and we really need to take care of the you know, the the animals on the planet and um I mean we just we we consume so much meat that we don't even eat. You know, there's so much waste. And so animals are being slaughtered at such a large rate and that, you know, you go to places that people still leave, you know, things on their plate and you're like, wow, yeah. you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Well, we, my husband always says when we're eating dinner or whatever, we've actually had the kids on a, on a largely vegetarian, I would even say vegan diet for probably three or four months now, just because I, there's... You know, I don't have the same, I guess, ethical convictions maybe that, that you do, and not that that's bad, and I probably should. I just haven't really dug into it, I guess. But mm. um, I just had some suspicions with their health, and I just didn't like the amount of cheese and dairy that was getting consumed, and it just bothered me. And so right. we had the kids, and boy, let me tell you, trying to get an eight and a nine-year-old off cheese and meat and hot dogs and right. class one carcinogen food... <laughs> Right. You know, well, it's highly addictive. It's yeah. highly addictive. Milk is highly addictive. Cheese, I mean, it, it's highly addictive. So it is, 
you know, if if they've never been on it, it's a different Jerry Springer yeah. show. But if they <laughs> had been on it, it can be very challenging. But when you, you know, some of the places that I've gone to and you 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 see the difference in even the markets. I mean, you, I go to a market in a in an area and and I see nothing but but box stuff. There's no greens. Yeah. And it's like everyone is the the, the whole mood of that of the person that's rolling the cart and the kids are like super highly active and it's like be quiet here here's some you know they hand some <laughs> chips or hand some yeah. candy and it's like oh my god it's like you're pouring chorus kerosene over a fire yeah and um and then when i when i start seeing kids that are in yoga or kids that are on a plant-based diet their their moods are different yeah you know their their behaviors are different there's so, so it has to start somewhere yeah it does and i've noticed that in our kids um it took a while it, it took probably two weeks of, they were probably a little hungry, but I always tell them, you know, you're, you're not going to die from not eating dinner, <laughs> which yeah. is hard as a parent. I mean, <laughs> you, you're like, you know, some comedian, I think it was Louis C.K. or someone said, you know, you're on the grid. People know you exist. You have a social security number. I need to feed you. <laughs> like you have to eat. And so That's it's really amazing. hard, but I came to the realization, Hey, if they don't want to eat the chickpea soup I made, then they'll have it for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I noticed it in my kids. I mean, they're they're grown men now. But when I was on the um, fast food slash um, processed food diet, because we love to entertain, so I always cooked down all this stuff. My kids started gaining weight. Yeah. And they were naturally, they weren't, you know, they weren't big, and they started blowing up like little M and M's. And I'm like, what the <laughs> heck is going on? But as soon as I, you know, as soon as the diet changed, you know, they they lost the weight naturally. Yeah. And I noticed that in my daughter and, and we weren't weighing or putting, you know, obviously I'm not doing that to my children, but I mean, within a month she slimmed up like overnight and, and I'm like, that just proves the kind of, tra and they were not eating badly. Like, let me put that out there. We were on the healthy side of carnivores, you know, but it was just incredible what taking the dairy and the meat out did for their bodies. It's incredible. It, I mean, I'm sure you have a great show. I'm sure that's a whole it other is. topic with the fact that how the processed foods have so many different chemicals in it because they, you know, the industry wants to to bring the the product back, you know, out to market quickly so it will sell. You have preservatives in it to keep it the longer shelf life. I mean, it's just a whole science behind what we've done to our food. Yeah. Uh, and what we've allowed for because it's it's also choices. You know, if we if we say to the food companies we don't want this stuff, yeah, then they'll respond to it. Um, but right now, I mean, people unfortunately we've we this is where we are, um, and uh, for right or for wrong, this is where we are, and, and we really need to um, you know look at that seriously and, and really take better care of ourselves as well as like I said the planet because it does have an impact. It, it it leaves an impact on on the planet as well, Absolutely. and uh, so yeah. Well, Anthony, this is called the same twenty four hours podcast, and it means that we all have the same twenty four hours in our day. But what we do with those twenty four hours is what is what makes each day happy and healthy and leads to better success. So, my question for you is: What is something that you do on a twenty four hour basis every day? that helps you lead a happier or healthier life. I bet you're going to say yoga. <laughs> yoga. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the intention. I mean, getting up with the intention of non-judgment, 
getting up with the intention that you're going to treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated. Because you may want to be treated a totally different way and they don't want to be treated that way. Um, so treating people the way they want to be treated. Um, and for all of the managers out there that manage people, that that's something that I've given you free of charge. I used to do seminars on this, but yeah, I mean, we always, we've learned treating people the way you want to treat, you want to be treated. And sometimes people don't want to be treated that way, but yeah, waking up with a good intention that you're going to try to help somebody, um, and be nice, have that positive energy, you know, cause energy introduces yourself. You don't even have to open up your mouth. Yeah. Um, your positive energy introduces yourself. Just like when you uh, greeted me over the phone. I mean, I could literally feel your energy uh, through the phone. It's just because it, I'm a loud mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You, you have a really great sense of humor. I mean, and a lot of times when we have great sense of, uh, of humor, you don't take yourself that seriously. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good trait. And so, yeah, continue with that. It's a beautiful trait. And, and so using that for me is, is waking up each day and, and seeing how, how much that you can do and not be just a miserable, you know, just a miserable person and uh, knowing so, that not that serious. Wow. So I'm going to come visit you in the next couple of months because I told you when we connected, part of the reason I wanted to connect with you, too, is because you were semi-local. I'm going to come visit you and we're going to do some yoga for beginner videos. <laughs> so I would love it. I would love it. I yeah. will be perfect for the beginner audience. <laughs> yes. Yes. I look forward to it. It'll be and great. Well, thank you, Anthony, so much for so taking much. the time. And his uh, yoga studio is in College Park. It's called Paper Plane Yoga. And I'll post all the links to that up in the show notes. So thank you again for being a part of the show, Anthony. Meredith, you are awesome. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs>